Blackwater Radio, the music you want. With your host, Steve Dan. Don't uh, <laughs> ever, ever, ever call me stupid. Okay. What's up, party people? It's Keys Dan with RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com, and this is my podcast, What Makes You Famous. It's a podcast to find out more about you. Yes, you. I'm talking to you. Everybody has a story, and you have a story to tell, and I want to hear your story. I'm trying to learn some stuff from people, not just famous people, but everyday people. If you think you're not famous, you're important to somebody. At the very least, you're important to me. I want to hear your story. This is what makes you famous. Oh, yeah. And happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Today on the program, Matthew Bollinger. Without further ado, let's give a chit-chat to Matthew Bollinger. Calling Matthew Bollinger. Are you there? Hello, Hello, Matthew Bollinger. Yes, sir. Mr. Keith, Dan, how are you doing today? It's good. Welcome to the show. Well, happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you. Are you wearing green? I'm not, but the pin in my hand is green. Oh, well played. Well played. That's something. <laughs> how do you plan on yeah, spending your right. St. Patrick's Day? Uh, well, the same way you found me. We, we, we have a friend in common, I suppose. Okay. That's safe to say. I suppose it is. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me Sorry, more about you. This is what makes you famous. It's about all about well, your life story. All right. So I've watched the last couple of shows you did last Thursday with Ty King. So sure, kind of have an idea. I know you told him to take his time. That show went over a little bit over an hour, so <laughs> definitely interesting story. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Everybody has a story. You know, you think the people on the streets don't have a story, but everyone came from somewhere and ended up somewhere, and your whole life becomes a part of you. And I'm. I, let's start at the beginning. Where are you from? All right. I was born in Fable, Arkansas. Okay. January 20, 24th, 1975. Which pretty much makes me, what, 44 and a quarter years old? That's about right. <laughs> Too early to say 44 and a half. <laughs> so, That's what uh, little kids do. I'm five and a half, <laughs> striving for that five and three quarters, striving right. for that next age. Well, it's, it's funny to me when I say 44 and a half because people have a tendency to giggle and think that's funny. So putting <laughs> a smile on somebody's face or making them laugh, you know. Well, my mom's still counting my age in months. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm tying my own shoes now. It's 484 months. I've weaned them off the bottle. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Fayetteville, Arkansas, 1975. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, from what I hear, those were crazy times. (laughs) Who do you hear from? Parents? Uh Uh-huh. Who do you hear from? Your parents? Yes, sir. Tell me about them. That generation. So my mom was, uh, she's a hard worker, grew up in a, in a military home, kind of did the whole, uh, 
a black sheep thing, you know, hippie generation kind of hit in and anti-military, anti-wars kind of stuff. So that made black sheep. So, but, uh, mama had me about 22 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, kind of hate not to, you know, to talk bad about anybody, especially family in a sense. But, uh, you know, my father just kind of, he was young too. I guess he had his own plans on what he wanted to do. And well, here I am. So okay. my, mom worked real hard to, to kind of, you know, raise me. My grandparents spoiled me rotten. Um, then when I was about two, she met my stepdad. Kind of like as Ty was saying last week, you know, he kind of grew up in a, uh, in a rough home. Mm-hmm. You know, I was raised on a real religious standpoint, turned the other cheek, takes a bigger man to walk away. Um, so, you know, what would God do? You know, try to represent to be more of a, of a positive demeanor, which when, when you walk away from bullying, you don't really stand up for yourself in a sense, I guess, how you approach it, but it becomes hard for a kid, you know, in junior high and high school and not knowing how to really kind of defend themselves in a proper way that keeps them from beating themselves down. So, uh, that, you know, mom would, uh, we, we take off and, um, from one end of the state, we go from Arkansas to California to North Carolina to Colorado. When was this? Things were kind of, when I was, you know, between the ages of like two and five, mainly is what when mom shifted us around. When my sister was born, it slowed down somewhat, but when was she born? Oh, what, 84? Okay. Um, six years older than me. So a- 81, actually, she was born in 81, 81. So, and, uh, so six years younger then. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Gotcha. Um, and then, uh, so, but you know, dad, dad would come back around, he'd get comfortable. Some people work under, you know, if things are going too good for them, then they straight, um, they, you know, they can't handle what's going to happen if things are going good. There's got to be some kind of dysfunction in your life, I suppose. But, uh, so dad to get back in his way and mom would stay in church and, you know, things would be bad. We'd run off and dad would get back in church and then she'd give him another chance. She just really wanted to keep the family together, you know, raise us in a home where it was the same parents and the same lifestyle. But, uh, you and know, this is back worked. in Arkansas, or because you went to Arkansas, it'd be, Colorado, it'd North be Arkansas, Carolina? California to Colorado, North Carolina, back to Arkansas. You think about three month spans. There was one year, probably when I was eight or nine. Seems like I went to eight or nine different schools. But then, when you know, there's some schools I attended to for a couple weeks, and some I attended to for a couple months. But until we can just get settled down, I guess you know. Um, and, and yeah. why did they move around? It was, this wasn't military, or was it? No, sir. It was more that mom had to get away. You know, the violence was so bad, or, you know, it would be, we would worry about what would happen next. So sometimes you need to leave a situation and not stick around and think, you know, it's going to get better. The violence from who? You had a stepdad at this point, right? Yes. Yeah, the stepdad, he was violent. Oh, He'd okay. on drink of rampage, you know, it'd be, you know... There'd be some nights we'd come home from church or somewhere and he'd be hiding in the dark and, you know, things just kind of get, 
intense in, a, in a situations like that. So mama tried her best to get us into, you know, a better, better place in, in life. Okay. So you, you guys were on your own by this time. Yes, sir. And then you can call uh, me keys, Dan, <laughs> <laughs> or just Dan. Uh, <laughs> all right, Dan, Mr. Dan. Perfect. Uh, so, my, you know, we'd move around, we'd get stable, dad would change his ways, so we'd run back to California, We, you know, or he'd come to where we were at, and before you know it, we were moving back to California, and a lot more work in California back in the 80s and 90s than it was for Arkansas, and especially okay. Northwest Arkansas, it was still small, you know, okay. you go from a population of 20,000, 30,000 to two or three million it's a culture change oh yeah you got 20,000 on your block (laughs) in California um so uh things kind of leveled out a little bit as they grew and matured you know things would be good things would be bad but mom just believed in her man you know stood by her man and uh well that's good we moved to California what year was California my eighth grade year that summer, going into the ninth grade, would have been 1988, nope. I believe. Pretty much around the same time as the East Coast, West Coast kind of started popping off and, and the gangster rap and all that kind of stuff. So it was about 88, 89. Yeah, I and, think rap uh, started getting better on 90. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's when it really blew up for sure. Um, so we moved to California. I start high school in the ninth grade there. We're in Arkansas. That was when we had junior high and then high school started in 10th grade. So, which was kind of cool because all my friends back home were still in junior high. And I got the call from California saying I was in high school. Sure. But uh, Santa Monica High School was a great school. Three blocks, no, three blocks from the ocean. It was really, you know, it was an, an awesome time experience for me. So, oh, you spent a lot of time football. at the beach. Oh, I did. You what know. what kind of activities did you do on the beach? I like well, I like to boogie board and body surf. I couldn't really find myself trying to find a uh, stand on a piece of wood and <laughs> ride a wave. It. So it's a lot easier to lay on my belly and wish for the best. Yeah, I'm from Miami, yeah. and we didn't have a lot of good surf there. I, I think our waist high was probably about, about the best. And I tried to get up on a board one time and it just didn't work out so well. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah. Without, without any waves, you can't really enjoy the surf, I suppose. Sure enough. So you did have some so, fun times in the, in the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got to make the best out of every situation. You know, I try to remember the good things more than the bad things. Sure. You have a lot of friends? Oh, well, yeah. Well, growing up, again, like I was was saying, mom always taught me how to turn that a cheek and walk away from a fight. And I was um, the the pretty boy, the new pretty boy in school all the time. Oh, yeah. You're gorgeous. Yeah, well, I, I think it's my eyes, Dan. It's, it's my eyes and my charming personality. You know, I didn't want to mention it because you know I, I didn't want to embarrass you. But yeah, yeah, you're a, you're a looker. <laughs> Find him on Facebook. No, I'm kidding. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with a little bit of eye candy, right, Dan? Sure enough, sure enough. So, uh, so you're you're, you're you're living the good life. I mean, uh, turning the other cheek. Uh, that's biblical teachings, I suppose. And and then you got a couple friends, maybe. 
Yeah, well, it's hard to make friends when you're always running from a fight, in a sense, because now gotcha. everybody's picking on you, and, you know, now the, the more you get bullied, the more people see you bullying, they want to jump on board, because that makes them feel, well, if he's getting bullied, it's not me. Mm. So, that you know, and that has a tendency as a kid to kind of make you upset, but, you know, I had more female friends than I had male friends. So that's not such like, a bad thing, is it? No, not really. But <laughs> you know, I start in high school and you want to date somebody and they're like, I think you make a better friend than you do a boyfriend. I mean, oh, yeah, thanks. I want a guy out. just like you, but not you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, Story of my life. <laughs> but uh, so being bullied and trying to go that route. So that's uh, 89. We're coming into... 90 and uh might have been the summer of 89 when i had we were going through football training i'm um, living in california i answered an ad in, in a post or actually it wasn't a post back then it's what you call classified and that's in the newspaper for those that might not know a newspaper <laughs> is a like a tablet but you pick it up in your hands it's made of paper and, and you cannot point and click at things. This is a newspaper. <laughs> exactly. All right, kids. So uh, it, they were doing an audition. Alan Thicke was the producer for the TV show uh, Kids Win, Lose, or Draw. Kids what? And, uh, win, Lose, or Draw. Ah, oh, Win, Lose, or Draw. Right. 1989. Yeah. So, you know, me and my buddy, um, we auditioned together. And we ended up making the role right out of the beginning. And then we had to be the examples of the next 50,000 kids coming through. So there's only 10 shows that year. Um, 20 boys, 20 girls got picked. And it, it was a really fun experience. So uh, the producers loved us. They made sure we tried to get on with a good show. So, uh, oh, Skippy from Family Ties. Skippy. Neighbor next door. Yeah. yeah. He was the host. Oh, little Danny Pintaro, the blonde hair boy from, um, he's the boss, was the celebrity on my team. And then the female team was um, the second blonde hair daughter on Roseanne. But now it's back on the corners. So, um, so you're living the California we, life, uh, kind of a celebrity. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, you know, growing up and watching Nickelodeon and those game shows, you always want, you know, as a guy, anyway, you wanted that trip to, you know, space camp in Atlanta, Georgia. That was always the big prize, you know. To me, I grew up watching those shows, and that's what I wanted, and that's what I was hoping to win. But we came through. We spent about two hours on that show, and uh, and we ended up winning. Hey, so, all right. Congratulations. Yeah, we, we, we dominated. We just kind of, we killed it. So 1990, you win, win, lose, or draw. Uh, celebrity yes. edition, I guess, or or, or this is, oh yes, kids sir. kids edition, right? That's correct. Episode three. Ah, okay, and what's the prize? And so uh, the girls they win the karaoke machine, and that's a brand new you know coming out, and uh, so we're excited. Now you got to keep in mind, me and John were football players. We were jocks. That's what we did. We played football and went to the beach. So was nineteen eighty nine the first time you went to football camp, or or had you been playing football well, your whole life? Well, I grew up kind of playing football in the yard, but, you know, moving around so much, we always kind of missed playing for a school. And 
but uh, and I missed it when I moved there in ninth grade, but we did it for the 10th grade. So we had pretty much started, you know, the year before practice, joining the team, going through spring training and the workout. We were on summer break when all this happened. So 89 was a pretty good year, at least the summertime. You, you had the football oh, yeah. training. You had the TV show, Win, Lose, or Draw Kids. You won the prize. Right. You got the karaoke machine. Did you ever make it no, to Atlanta? I didn't, get the, I, I didn't get the karaoke machine. I got a set of world book encyclopedias, Dan. Hey, encyclopedias. All right, kids, for those of you who don't know, encyclopedias <laughs> is like Google that you can hold in your hands and full. It's got paper. What's paper? Uh, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was our Google. That was our so Google. That, yeah, I thought that was my runner up prize, Dan. Okay. So, I mean, I'm blessed. I'm on TV. I got to meet some movie stars, and I went encyclopedia. But here's the kicker. You can't collect your prize until the last episode is aired, and then it's six to eight weeks before you receive them. Oh. Now, that's the same year Russia changed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the wall yeah, got torn down, didn't it? Yeah, that's right. And so the encyclopedias you know were bunk. Yeah, <laughs> Russia makes up a large point, a uh, large part of the encyclopedias. Apparently, <laughs> so now my prize went from fifteen hundred dollars to one hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, but hey, I was on TV, right? Hey, you were on TV. You got some fame. So uh, that summer, that same summer, the, as you know, school starts back up, football starts. We get into a couple games, and we have homecoming coming up that weekend. And the uh, same, you know, and then my share, my show was going to air the following week. Well, I ended up in practice the day before our homecoming um, game playing uh, defensive end and tight end. Well, we could, first string couldn't really get the ball past the second string defense. So uh, I asked the quarterback to do a pot pass. It's something we've been practicing for a while for the tight end. It's just, you know, bump. You know, you kind of bump the the guy you're defending or just blocking you, and then you go out three yards, and the ball lands in your lap in so many instances. Okay, five or six yard game. Well, the quarterback underthrows, and uh, I have to lean back and turn my body to catch the ball. So when I catch it and I turn around across the goal line, the wideout sticks me and puts his helmet right in my stomach and plants me into the ground. Yowch. Well, I, I, my stomach kind of started to hurt, and I got dizzy, real nauseous. Coach thought I was faking, asked me what I ate, said big salad for lunch, sir, and he thought I was just being a sissy. And they walked me off the field, and it got worse. I felt like puking. They walked me to the locker room, and coach told them boys to get back on the field. Put some dirt on it. Get back in the game. Yeah. So they dropped me off in the locker room. I still had my pads and my helmet on. And I remember laying back on the bench and, uh, like, falling asleep in a sense. I was so tired. And I just remember, like, little bright lights shooting past me real fast, you know. It's an experience I'll never forget. And then when, at some point, I, like, I got scared. And I woke up and I came straight up and I was fully dressed. Mm. And there was nobody in my street clothes. My shirt tucked in, my belt on, my shoelaces were tied. And I was like, I just, uh, <laughs> okay, now I'm getting scared because what just happened? You know what I mean? I have no idea. How I many hours had passed on this point? About an hour and a half. Oh. And I'm just getting weaker and weaker. And 
the guys are still on the field practicing. I make it to the pay phone and I page my mom. That's kind of how we communicate with the, with the pager. Kind of showing my age, Dan. Oh, I get it. I understand. So uh, mom was two hours in the, you know, she was in downtown LA, which was two hours away. So anyway, my uncle, my aunt Kim got me and got me to the hospital. They put those little things on my arm, test your blood pressure or whatever. At that point, they yanked me up real fast, threw me in the back cut my clothes off, started sticking tubes in my nose. <laughs> they can't answer. They can't tell me that because I'm a minor. So I'm waiting for my mom to get there. Anyway, by the time they got the IVs in my arm, tubes in my nose, down my throat, you know, everything, they explained to me that my spleen had split in two pieces. Oh, And that my. Uh, my insides were completely full of blood. My lungs were about halfway full of blood. And I was bleeding on the inside really bad. But now that my mom was there and that they were going to get me ready for surgery to remove my spleen, I'm thinking, okay, so the summer started out great. Here we are at the end of the summer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yay, Matt. So, 1989 you know, was a turning point here. <laughs> it's just a lot of things <laughs> yeah, happened here. My grandpa had me lined up to go to Annapolis, Maryland, to be an officer as well. Wow. Uh, that year um, had my whole life kind of set up for me in a sense. But a uh, major surgery kind of cuts that out of the picture. But they said you had a, I had a thirty percent chance of dying. That the operation's only going to be, you know, not, you know, can you know, chances of dying were higher than living. But no, funny you mentioned this. My, this is kind of paralleling something that happened in my life in nineteen eighty seven. I was scheduled to go into the navy, and two days beforehand, I get in a motorcycle wreck. No navy. Right. right. So you were supposed to go to Annapolis and you were supposed to have your life Being set. Officer. Yeah. Yes, sir. And uh, so uh, anyway, I told, I remember my mom crying um, and I told them both, I said, I'll see y'all in a little bit, you know, and uh, well, I came out of it. I kind of had to learn how to work, you know, walk again and get my organs back in, in line. But I was out. But during this time period when my show aired, and uh, luckily, a friend of my mom's had recorded it on a VHS tape. <laughs> so it's kind of kind of hard to find this episode. I wish I had it. But anyway, so it's it got to be out there somewhere. If anyone's listening, find that show. Right. Get it to Matthew <laughs> Bollinger. <laughs> yeah, Danny Pitaro has it in his storage. I've reached out to him and talked to him since. So one day we'll get it. <laughs> but um, I had that tape with me forever. But uh, anyway, so. Uh, my football career is pretty much done that year. I'm uh, kind of upset that year, you know, still trying to play football and be a part of the team. Um, Crips and the Bloods and Gangster Rap started popping off. You know, it's just... Wait a minute, you're still, still trying to play uh, football with no spleen? Well, I wanted to, but they wouldn't let me play for a year. I, I finished, I played again the following year, my junior year. Oh, okay. All right. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't give up, Dan. No. I'm going for it. I'm going for it. Well, at some point, I ended up getting involved with the wrong crowd at school. I knew my, you know, future was kind of down the drain. And this is ninety one. Yeah, around. And so yeah, going into the my last part of, of my sophomore year, so class ninety three, ninety, it'd be ninety one. Ninety one, you get so, in with the wrong get, crowd, right? And I, you know, get wrapped up, you know, in the whole gang scene and and that lifestyle. And, you know, it's a crazy thing. 
some I really don't like talking about, but that's too, you know, what made me part of me as I got older. Well, what the kind LA of things were you doing? Time, well, you know, um, being dumb and young, you know, gang no, banging, that kind of, you know, and, and, you know, doing, you know, being, being a part of a crowd probably I shouldn't have been doing, just being a nuisance. So, uh, mom okay. kind of seen that. Mom kind of seen it, and then the LA riots hit, and things started. LA started getting kind of wild, you know, and crazy. So she moved me back home. What year was My the LA riots? Was that ninety one as well? That's, that's right in that time period. Probably about ninety two, maybe. Mm-hmm. Might have been ninety two. Um, Gonna have to that, look that up. That, yeah, ninety two would have been my junior year. So yeah, that was I watched that live go down. You know the whole thing. I was home that day. But um, anyway, so mom moves me home to Springdale, Arkansas, my senior year. Now I had gone to school. You there said ninety two, sixth grade year. Right. Yes, sir. Because we were class in ninety three. So I would have started that summer of ninety two into Springdale, and. Uh, you know, mom and dad been kind of getting through their issues and the problems, and you know, we, you know, getting older with it. I suppose by this time, and, your, step, uh, your stepdad is uh is pretty cool to you. Yeah, he, he's he's doing better, showing some effort. So you know, we move home to Arkansas, um, and uh, so that that was a rough transition trying to you know being in L.A. and living that lifestyle and dressing with baggy clothes and you know i understand getting here from miami was about the same right (laughs) yeah the culture change for sure but uh you know and then some people people knew who i was uh you know kind of as i got older i guess i realized i was more popular than i thought i was just insecure but was it the television show or just your your personality no just my personality mainly so my senior year when i come home everybody knew bollinger was bad and that was pretty cool, but then I had some arch rivals that Uh-oh. wanted to test my limits, but now things have kind of changed a little bit for me, you know. I'm not so scared anymore. Sure, sure. But, You're a senior. Uh, You're supposed to rule the school. Right. So, uh, we get into Christmas time, and, and some things go down with our family, and my mom ends up finding a receipt and uh, for a necklace, so we thought that you know, she, that's what she's expecting for Christmas. Well, when Christmas came around and that necklace wasn't there, you know, the story kind of popped out what, what was going on. And my dad was having an affair with my mom. So my sister got shipped, you know, sent to some friend's house. And my mom had to go into charter to kind of get, you know, her head straight and stuff, you know, get things wrapped around because things were good for a while. So two weeks before the, my, uh, into my first semester, just kind of happens. Mom gets goes off the charter. I have to get all this stuff out of the house. And mom's like, you're about to be 18. Um, you know, keep your head up. So I was like, all right. Again, I got to be the man of the house and make sure everything kind of happens. My sisters are safe and figure out how to keep my life on track. So your stepdad's immediately out of the picture on this one? At this point. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's done and kind of over with at that time. So uh, I kind of moved in with my grandma, found an old you know, girl that we knew each other from the eighth grade, and we started dating, and next thing you know, we were running off to Colorado and dropped out of school and got married and 
Las Vegas in the backseat of a limousine, the Little White Chapel of Love. Wait, you, you dropped out of high school or college? <laughs> uh, yeah, I dropped out of high school my senior year. Yeah. When all that went down with my mom. And then kind of got a job and went to work. That's when I met my first wife. Oh, okay. We moved to Colorado. Um, tried, and my father lived out there, so I was trying to reunite with my father in a sense because he wasn't really never in the picture too much. Because of your biological so dad that, that was left around yes. too? Yes, sir. Um, so I wanted to kind of get to know him. I was getting older, you know, find out what my, my bloodline is made out of, you know. I know I get my mama's heart and I get all that, but there's other parts of me I want to know where they come from. Mm-hmm. But that's a, you know, that's a long story for another day. But, uh, we got time. Anyway, so we stay in Colorado <laughs> for a year. My first wife gets pregnant. She wants to come back to Arkansas to have the baby because that's where her family is. So we move back to Arkansas. Well, I come home from work one day and there's a truck and a trailer out in front of our apartment. And, come to find out she was moving back to Arkansas. That's how I found out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, by the way, my friend and her dad's here packing the truck up. You weren't supposed to be home this early. I left you a note. I'm like, okay. Well, I was like, I'll see you in a couple weeks. So we stayed there. I came home. Um, that was 93. And you- the end of 93 going into 1994 is when we moved back to Arkansas. This is your, your no, actually, okay, your first wife, she was trying to leave you, and then she you just kind of followed her back to Arkansas? Right, because she was pregnant. She was about eight months pregnant. She right. 94. 94. And so she just said she wanted to go home and be with her family and have the kids. And, you know, my mom lived here anyway, so it wasn't no big deal. I just thought, hey, why didn't you talk to me about it? Right, right. But, uh, so, she does that. Um, we move home. We have my first son. His name is Matthew Thomas. I'm Matthew Joseph. So. Hey. And then, uh, so things are going good there for a while. Well, about the same time methamphetamine started hitting the state. Um, back in the nineties, living in the state and methamphetamine kind of hit. You had no idea what was coming. Nobody knew the storm that was brewing in. Nobody had billboards. Nobody had signs. Nobody had awareness. Nobody had a clue. Mm. So, um, you know, and, and it took a while for me to even like try to be a part of that. But it is what it is. So, next thing I know, I have a problem, and I've got to figure out ways of, you know, not doing people wrong, but just supporting our habit with methamphetamine. That's correct. So, and, and this, and the wife know, too. And the wife, too. When she wanted to lose weight, she had a friend that did it, and that's how it kind of got, you know, introduced, in a sense, into my life. Mm-hmm. But nobody knew it was one of those things where it was just going to be a destroyer. But uh, Was it often, or were you able to handle your high, I guess? Or? Oh, no, there was no such thing as handling your high. Yeah, I'm not familiar. Maybe. I've never never been on it, so <laughs> I, 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 I need to learn from you. Right, so... You know, at the time, she thinks they're handling it, you know, and, you, you know, you, you find it cheaper to do it when you're selling it, you know, and then you're 19, 20 years old, you don't have a clue. And uh, so that becomes a little bit overwhelming. You know, it doesn't, it's a snowball effect that just 
gets bigger and bigger as you go. Next thing you know, you're starting to sell drugs, that, you know, every drug there is, to everybody you know, and trying to be whatever you, you know, just cool that you think at that time. Um, so you're not only me, not was, taking meth, you're selling it? Right. Along with, you know, other narcotics as well. But, you know, for me, it was coming out of high schools and the junior highs being picked on all the time, you know, and never really having that many friends. You know, now you're cool. You know, everybody wants to be your friend. Everybody wants to hang out. And everybody wants to come over. Everybody, you know. Oh, yeah. You got the good so stuff. And you got more. a couple bucks in your pocket, right? Yeah. Now everybody wants to be your friend. You got money. You got drugs. And everybody wants to come in and be your friend. Okay. Well, yeah. So things were getting kind of overwhelming. 94, 95? Yeah, going into 95. Wife gives me an ultimatum, you know. Either stop what you're doing and get a real job or I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, let's go ahead and get on out of Arkansas. We moved to Branson. Okay. Well. Up to Missouri. Right. I drop everything I'm doing. She ends up getting a job at a at a restaurant and meets a guy and that's when the little triangle began next thing you know i'm getting a note saying hey i'm sorry i just can't do this but i'll take you anywhere you want to go i'll let you know let me know when i get home from work tonight what that was a saturday when i got that letter when she went to work she handed me the note when i dropped her off so i got to read it when i got back so i knew i was kind of here we go. I'm on the street. So she drives me back from Branson, Missouri to Fayetteville, Arkansas on a Sunday morning and drops me off at the storage unit and gives me a dollar and says, and takes the car and my son and runs back to Branson. But she made sure she mentioned, here's a dollar. I didn't want you to be broke. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Not yeah, nice. That's, that's Not nice cool. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my mom and dad, they moved back to California. When I, you know, by the time I came back, a lot of my friends were gone or doing different things. So it was kind of on the street at this point. And I uh, lived on the street for probably about a year and a half, just kind of bouncing around here and there. <clears throat> well, I come across um, an old Grateful Dead hippie. You know, this is pretty much when the Grateful Dead were on their last tail end of touring and stuff. And they had what was called uh, like devil sticks, Diablo stick. Um, Not sure what that is. Hand, you, you have a stick in each hand, and then you have another stick that you twirl and twist, like a, a, a baton. Is that the right word? Okay. Um, but it's like a gesture. Um, if you Google like devil sticks or Diablo sticks, that you, you see them more online. But it's more of an you know a visual art. Um, but um, the military used it for uh, combat back in long, long time ago to teach you hand and eye coordination. Oh, okay. And uh, but it takes a lot of practice and lots of lots of dedication to kind of master it and let you know the words performance. <laughs> so I just kind of like lost myself into that, you know, trying to figure out in my head. Cause I'm 20 years old. Now I just lost my first wife, my son. I'm on the street. I don't have no job. <laughs> Might as well do some baton twirling, I guess. <laughs> You're right. You got to find yourself somewhere. So, now, is that what a, a Diablo stick is? Kind of a just a like a baton twirling? Right. Well, it's like what's it's, 
And the stick in the middle is designed. I use ten tennis balls so they would bounce and glow sticks. So like a yo-yo. The and then you have two sticks in your hand. And what you do is you twist that one stick with the other two sticks. You know, twirl it and, and spin it and, and so on, so on. It's kind of hard to explain. Okay, um, no problem. I'm, I'm looking. It's it's like a yo-yo, I guess, kind of. But they got a uh, the two sticks. It kind of looks like it, you're going to handle a marionette. Uh, this video looks like they're he's got a yo-yo in the middle that he's kind of going back and forth forth with but uh right. okay so what's the the point of all of that so so me so i i started practicing and getting like really good at it and i run oh, okay. into um an upcoming band called aphrodisia part of the band was from Fayetteville. part of them was from little rock and you become and, a mascot uh, type of thing yeah, in a sense. So, you know, when, when you go to the club at night, you know, and the bands are just starting to warm up and everybody's kind of coming in, you know, the dance floor is always empty. Yeah. And uh, people are just kind of sitting around waiting for that one or two people to get on to break the ice on the dance floor, I guess, in a sense. So I was able to, um, do, you know, do my stick and be, an inter- you know, part of the visual entertainment of it. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I had a kid oh, yeah. that, that used to do glow sticks on a string and, and kind of a, do a show like that, uh, warming up for when I was setting up my DJ equipment. Yeah. Yeah. So, All right. Yeah. This is 90, yeah, 97? Yeah, this is 90. We're going into 95, 90, about 96 at this point. 96. Diablo sticks. Okay. In Fayetteville. Right. And, uh. So I started making them. I was selling them at shows. We were getting them in to other little, you know, hippie stores and stuff. And uh, so I became like a, you know, really almost a master at it. You know, the, the crowd, as the band grew, the crowds grew, the fans kind of grew. So it was kind of cool that I had a new, you know, venture into something that was a little bit more positive. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Much better than meth. Yes. Use the Diablo sticks. Right. Right. So I'd end up taking center stage at night, you know, at the end of the night, you know, they did No Woman, No Cry, kind of the band introduction. And, you know, it was kind of fun. You know, we went from Northwest Arkansas to Little Rock, you know, it's almost like four or five shows a week. And uh, now but th- you were able to make money up. off of this then? Well, a little bit. You know, I would help the band set up, you know before and after the show so i get a little bit of kickback for that but it was just more you know stability and somewhere to kind of go with it you know i had something to do besides you know racking my brain on where i'm going to stay or where i'm going to live so just kind of try to be a part of something you know to build myself back up oh yeah and it's creative it's what you what you wanted to do kind of in california with the tv show i guess Am I reading that right? Yeah. Well, the TV show, everybody wants to, you know, you, you see something you want and you just kind of go for it. You know, who doesn't want to be on a game show on Nickelodeon? <laughs> sure. And you're trying to use your creative uh, juices there <laughs> right. with the, the sticks. Right. And, uh, you know, if we, I, you know, sometimes I look back and wish we had cell phones where we could have recorded it. There were a lot of good, fun nights. But um, <laughs> I'm sure so somebody's I, got uh, it out there. Right. So, uh, things kind of, um, you know, that gets to be a crazy lifestyle. I ended up getting a, uh, a job, you know, at a, at a DJ in Northwest Arkansas for a nightclub. 
Hey, winner. And uh, now, I'm, now I'm in the club scene. So, you know, that's late nights, and that's wild, and that's partying, and that's just, you know, the nightlife is the nightlife. Yeah. So, um, old habits have a tendency to pop back up again. Oh, okay. So, um, I end up getting wrapped up, kind of, you know, using and trying to, you know, get myself through. You know, it's cool. You know, I'm in my early 20s partying and DJing a nightclub. And, what were you, you getting know, back into at this point? You know, it was the same things I was into the time before. Meth and other narcotics. Just, that's right. You know, at this time, it's starting to blow up in Northwest Arkansas. Um, it was just, again, nobody really knew what was coming. You know, it, it kind of brewed, you know, it blew in real quick and just stayed. But, uh, so that kind of, you know, that lifestyle began to pop back up again, living like a rock star, living it up, manager of a nightclub, DJ of a nightclub. Um, so, uh, at this time, it's where I meet my next wife. I was the manager of DJ and she came in as an employee. And we were together from 99 until about 2012. Um, okay, so you, you DJed probably for about two years at the po- at that point, right? Yeah, well, I, I had about 10 years of DJing, my, my whole 20s. So from 2000, 2001 to 2012, when she left, I mean, 10 of those years was, you know, majority of the night club life i'd leave sometimes go try a real job but the money wasn't as good as it was when you know i was a dj and that's what i like to do you know i was good at what i did then too yeah it's a fun but job I'm starting to realize no matter what i put myself into or what i tried to attempt i'm good at you know as long as i put forth that effort i've learned now that i'm in my 40s you know no matter what you try you know got to do the right thing and the positive things and it hands out but uh in 2010 oh um, so we're jumping from 99 to 2010 then right because you know basically i had kids things kind of up and down same old song and dance you know okay so you had a good married life at that point right well we broke up a lot a lot of fighting but she had a son and and uh i kind of took him under my wing and raised him but i was kind of like my mama you know i wanted to get in a relationship and hold it down. I didn't want to bounce from girl to girl and do all that. You know, I just kind of wanted to pick one and, and stick with it. So when you get married or when you get with somebody and you give your word, you know, you know, if, if you're going to do what you're going to do, you got to do it. You know, if you want to be my girlfriend and we're partners, then, you know, we got to live that lifestyle. Well, but you made you a commitment. You did good. Way. Yeah. Well, I tried. I did the best I could. We, you know, we were just opposites in a lot of ways. So, but, I'm sorry, uh, 2010, what happened? So, 2010, um, I began my stint of sobering up, you know. Okay. And, uh, I'm, done. I'm done with that lifestyle. Um, I kind of started my own business in a resale shop. Um, you know, selling. So, 2008, 2009, the recession kind of hit. Gas prices went up. People were moving out of their big homes to smaller homes. Is a real uh, resale shop like furniture. a pawn shop? Yeah, well, like uh, a thrift store type deal. I just I sold used furniture. I bought storage units and went to auctions and bought the stuff and then would resell it. And I ended up getting my own little store. Okay. Hidden sure. Treasures. And we were in Siloam Springs, Arkansas at that time. Siloam Springs. So, got it. Um, the best part of that 
that story is I wanted to prove to my friends and everybody that, you know, there's opportunity. My story really represented life after meth. You know, just because you had a drug habit or you made bad choices um, doesn't mean that you can't come up out of that. And so uh, that's what I was trying to represent. And I would pull people from the street. You know, I had friends that were getting out of jail for drugs, you know, possessions or people like they would hit their dead into the street and they didn't have nothing to do. You know, I kind of pull them in and take them under my wing and give them work and try to be a friend put a roof over their head, food in their belly, the best I could with what I had. You know, I still had a wife and three kids at this point. And you're saying you're trying to help other people on the streets there. Right. At the same time, you know, trying to get back a little bit. So from that point, um, you know, the wife really wasn't done. So when we, I found out what they were doing, the people I worked with, my friends, my wife behind my back, um, I gave it a choice. It's me and the kids or it's you and that, you know, them and that lifestyle. So in 2012, she chose them and that lifestyle. Wow. So it's me and the kids at this point. And, uh, I was devastated, man. Like I worked 10, 12, 14 hour days, seven days a week trying to build something and getting and growing. And it was taking off and we were making money and things were looking good. You know, kids were happy, stable. How many kids at this point? And, uh, um, three. I ended up having a son and a daughter. Hey, all right. And, uh, along with my stepson that I raised. <clears throat> but, uh, so when she left, I hit rock bottom. I believe you. Again. And, uh, my kids were hurt and they lost that. They lost the twinkle out of their eyes. They were confused. I couldn't understand because I'm trying to do the right thing. And why, you know, life's got a way of keeping you flat in the mouth sometimes. And, uh, but I got it in my head, half of nothing's nothing, <laughs> you know? So I just pretty much shut those doors through everything in storage and let it all go, you know, cause I wasn't going to work hard just to have her take half of it. And, uh, go ahead. So you closed up the store and you got back on, on the drugs? I did at mm-hmm. that point. That's the only way I could get numb. You know, and try to get through my uh, emotions and my feelings and stuff. And at the same time, trying to keep it together somehow, some way, not giving up. And but the kids? Got to be numb. How, how are they getting through this? Um, well, one day at a time, I suppose. But I always try to keep the brighter side of the picture always showing. You know, and they were six and eight and 12, I believe, right around that age. So they kind of knew what was going on. But. They didn't care. They were with daddy. You know, as long as they were daddy, they're fine. Right. And uh, so we get into 2013, try to go to Colorado, get out of Arkansas, make a change. Um, but we get flooded out. That's when Boulder flooded and Denver, Colorado Springs kind of got flooded out with all those rains after the fires and stuff. Oh. And uh, we ended up moving back home. Well, at this point, I knew... I just couldn't get it together. We're about a year into the separation and I'm lost. I'm tired. I don't, you know, it's, I'm, I got to have to have purpose. Well, my mom kind of, you know, steps up the plate and helps me out and helps me with the kids. And I, I try to take some time to fix myself. You know, I needed some alone time, you could say. Yes. And, uh, 
where it was just me, where I could focus on what my issues were, what I need to do in my life, what my demons are, my inner demon. And uh, so when that time came where I got myself ready back to get into the, you know, rea- you know, face reality, um, things started kind of, you know, it was just a little bit confusing. But I happened to uh, have the pleasure of meeting the people at Ashley Furniture where I work now, and uh, they kind of believed in me and gave me a shot. What year was and this? I started, um, we, I started with Ashley Furniture in 2015. 2015, Ashley Furniture. Good job. I, I've so, got a couple of beds but, from them. Right? Yeah. Well, it feels the deal. I'll <laughs> <laughs> be a joy. So uh, I start from the bottom and kind of work my way up into the delivery team. And I made sales, um, the sales team, November of 17. My first year was 2018. Um, sold a million dollars in, in merchandise. One out of seven. By yourself? Yes, sir. What? I'm one of seven people that did a million dollars in sales in, in 2018. You know, Ashley Furniture is the largest furniture store in the nation. It's 100,000 square feet. We, I mean, every, you can't turn the TV on without seeing the commercial. Oh, I've been there. <laughs> you can't get on YouTube. And you can't, you know, so we've got great ownerships. We've got great sales staff, you know, our delivery team and our delivery managers and our betting manager. I mean, the, the staff. You know, it's just top notch. You know, they put us in good training, but the point is that they believed in me and they gave me a chance. Yeah. To prove myself. And uh, so it's been, you know, all or nothing. And I'm trying to stand out and make an example, you know, trying to do something different. That's why, you know, I do a lot of posts on Facebook Marketplace. Um, on my Facebook page, that logo right there, the cartoon character, and my daughter drew that. That's so, beautiful. I try, my, I try to keep my kids involved with everything I do somehow, you know, but I couldn't do it without my mom's support. Um, taking care of my kids and my mom and my mom being my backbone, making sure I keep it straight. You know, I can't, there's not enough words to really say thank you and how much I appreciate, you know, because it's not easy to tolerate this guy. <laughs> I promise. Um, but she does a great job. So this year, you know, um, with social media, we do a lot of Grant Cardone study and they give us all the kind of right materials on how to be better salespeople, you know, and how to reach your customers and be customer service based. But I kind of stepped out the box a little bit and try to be a little bit more entertaining. You know, I've started going live um, on Thursday nights at 530. I've got customers that own small businesses. So I try to promote them as much as I can on my little, you know, live shows, they offer a piece of their business for me to give back to the customers, you know, like at Heights Nutrition, we got smoothies every week, my physical therapist, um, the PT Advantage, she, you know, has put up um, deep tissue massages, um, along with the PT certified training for golfers and young golfers. Um, you know, um, and what kind of inspired me some to start my little live videos, trying to get my face out there, do something different than what everybody else has done is a fella out of Florida. His name is Newbreed. And he's kind of gone through a lot of struggles in his life. He's trying to overcome it and face, you know, better himself. He was not wanting to be able to 
being public or not much. That's why he started getting on Facebook and starting to put his music out there. Which is, you know, I Who, who's got their much, music out there? What's his name? New Breed. It's N U space B R E E D. Oh, okay. Um, so he kind of mixes country music with, uh, you know, kind of country rap, I guess, in a sense. But Shout out not, to New Breed Music, then. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, you know, it's really kind of a real cool concept in the genre that he's working on. But it, his music's got a story. And that's, a, you know, a lot of the rap music we hear today doesn't really have a story to it. But uh, So while you're promoting your, like your furniture that. sales, you're promoting other people. That, exactly. Well, that and sounds I great. That time, you know, with my Facebook Live to kind of push out, you know, give, you know, plugs for those you know, they're customers of mine that I appreciate their business, so I try to give back, you know, and then try to make it entertaining. But, you know, these are all small people trying to, you know, do something with their life. And so, you know, it's exciting. This year has been kind of good. I just got some new doors opening up with Aaron Skaggs at Freedom Homes, where if you go in, you get it, you know, buy a mobile home or, you know, manufactured home, you can get a furniture allowance with a voucher and you can put it at the end of your bill, you know, or mix it in with your payments on your home and payments. So that's, I, I kind of got some exclusive rights going on with that. So every week I've been able to pick up new sponsors, you know, but my life is just kind of taken off in a sense, you know, and it so, just kind of goes to show that hard work and diligence and doing the right thing. Eventually, you know, it pays off. So even though Ashley is a, a natu- national furniture store, they let you act locally with your individual stores then? Right. So each Ashley store is like a franchise. Oh, okay. Uh, by individual owners. Kind of like McDonald's and Burger King's and stuff like that. So they so let so you do local promotions then? Right. So it's the same thing as commercials on TV. You know, you kind of have to represent. But I do, I'm labeling myself kind of working out of the furniture store. So I'm promoting basically our sales, our um, clearance items, new products coming in, the different mattresses. Um, you know, I, that's why I like to, I've been giving away, do giveaways. You know, when the people that, you know, I sponsor for and they give a little piece of their business, I'm able to give back to the people that tune in and watch just to kind of make it entertaining at the same time. Thank you. So, so how how are the kids doing? The kids are great. You know, um, we moved. I moved them down here to kind of, you know, to go all in with Ashley and, and settle on man, and they're doing great. You so know, you're living in a Benton area, I'm guessing. We live we live in Ward. You know, it's a nice, safe community. It's a good little drive to Bryant, but that's yeah. okay. You know, um, my son's in broadcasting, so hey. you know, I've been. He's been getting involved. Some of my sponsors, like Kelly, kind of helped. He's got a competition and a thing in Seattle next week, and she helped out on that. Um, you know, that's why I enjoy doing things for these other businesses because they really they do things for me as well. You know, they're supportive and they stand by me. It's not like when they buy furniture, they forget about me. You know, and I think that's what I love about my customers the most is I try to build a, a straight, strong customer base. You know. I've learned from my past on the things that I've done wrong, mistakes that I've made. Um, you know, I feel like I've kind of pay it forward in a sense. 
Um, you got to get back to your community. You got to take care of those people that are down when they're down, you know, and, and never give up on yourself. No, it, sh- it shows no matter what you do in your past, you can always pick yourself back up. It, you know, you can forgive yourself is pretty much what you have to do. Right. And you just kind of have to fix those issues that are broken inside you. Sometimes we just don't stop enough to breathe and to think what is the real problems. Or if we know what the problems are, we can't admit to it. You know, we don't want to admit to our own faults that are our own mistakes. You know, we're quick to want to blame somebody else. You know, it's easier that way than to stop, think about it. I have to blame myself. I have to own this, take ownership of it. And, and then what's it, the beast of burdens. <laughs> hey, while you're picking yourself up, you help other people on the way out, you know? Right. You That's know, a beautiful so thing we, right there. Like with New Breed inspiring me. You know, I'm trying to inspire others. I'm watching, you know, as people are starting to do Facebook Live more. Um, you know, that's just kind of the way we're going with technology is the only way to kind of average, you know, to get yourself out there. I'm really trying to brand who I am, the kind of person I am, you know, who I am, what I represent. Um, that's why I have my logo for with my daughter to kind of show a little funnier side. That's eventually that's going to be my mark. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when you see that, you know what that who that is, what that represents. So, um, you know, I've had a great turnout with the customers over the last year with Facebook Marketplace. Um, I really try to make it a safe environment. Everybody deserves a good shot at, at good furniture for a good price. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, a, a perspective, a perception that Ashley furniture is expensive, you know, and it's not. There's there's enough in there for everybody. You know, we've got different kind of programs where we can work with people, financing, lease the own program, layaways. <laughs> so, well, Matthew Bollinger, yeah. after starting uh, out at such a, a hardship, a hard life, uh, getting up through going from state to state, uh, you know, going through different high schools, even though you were a pretty boy, I get it, you know, <laughs> having that football injury, uh, going to, hey, even the TV show, kids. Nickelodeon and uh, uh, having the the, the the wife situations and uh, people have had troubles that, you know definitely getting off the, the the dope is is a good thing uh, you've you've ended up here in a in a pretty good place you sound like a, a very stand-up person uh, from by all accounts I, I, I've talked to some some folks and they say you're a good cat well I tried I mean, well, actually, in their phrase that I do, <laughs> I'm learning there's more than just saying I try. It's a matter of being I do. Yeah, so. you don't just try. You 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 succeed. You're, you're doing it. You're you're in. You're doing the job. You've got this good uh, furniture store, Ashley. Uh, big shout out to Ashley Furniture. There you go. And uh, million dollar seller. That's a comp, uh, an accomplishment right there. Seems like the kids are doing well uh, through it all. And that, that's all we can do is, is uh, be good for our kids as well. Yes. Now you got to never give up. Never give up. <laughs> I saw a guy with a tattoo who said, never don't give up. <laughs> I think that's Kevin James's uh, newest uh, comedy special as well. Never don't give up. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, any other words of advice as you're cruising up? Um, any Anything you want to tell the people as we're closing this out? 
Right. You know, as far as you find yourself in a, in a point in your life where you, you don't think there's a hope or you, you hit rock bottom and you want to know you just don't see a brighter light, you can't give up on yourself. You've got to keep fighting. you got to finish strong. you got to, you know, chin up, head back, shoulders up, you know, and, uh, you know, kind of have a model at work, you know, 10x plus 1% a day, you know, whatever it takes to make you better. You know, if you improve yourself a little bit at a time, you know, I've learned you get further with baby steps than you do trying to take leaps and bounds. So, uh, you know, you, you just you can't give up. You never give up on yourself. You know, if you want something bad enough, it, it's out there, you know. Matthew Bollinger, so, how, yeah, how do the people I, find I, you out there? Um, You know, Facebook Marketplace. I'm at Ashley six days a week. My email address is mattbollinger75 at gmail.com. Um, again, um, my logo, you know, if you're looking for me on Facebook, it's not that hard. Matthew Bollinger, you'll see the Ashley Clinton sign in the background and a cartoon character, a bald headed blue eyed fella with a goatee and his orange Ashley shirt on. Well, I'm definitely going to use that logo at that cartoon when I put it up on YouTube. <laughs> right. It's cool. That's the trademark. So, but Dan, I appreciate this opportunity. You know, it's my first time doing a podcast interview so it's quite the experience but uh yeah most definitely i appreciate you telling your story matthew bollinger thank you so much no no problem (laughs) matthew bollinger ashley furniture started from a, a very dark place and got up to working and and helping people along the way he's working at ashley furniture selling some furniture million dollar that's impressive to me uh, it, it he said only a few people have done the, the million dollar sales and you know starting from not doing good drugs uh, you know I, I i know people are back and forth on the drug situation uh i know kevin smith is a proponent uh, and, and even jason muse whenever they talk about it on their podcast about drugs uh, you know jason muse had to clean up completely and Kevin Smith says, just handle your high. So, you know, two sides of the coin. But uh, it looks like the best situation for Matthew Bollinger was to just completely get off of it. You know, sober up. And he's got himself a good job. And he's taking care of his kids. And that's a great thing. Thank you so much. I'm so appreciative. If you want to be a part of the program, uh, What Makes You Famous? Give me a call, 501-470-6386. Just leave a message if I don't answer. Or you can contact me on email, What Makes You Famous at RadioWhat.com. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. What Makes You Famous? Keys Dan, RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com. Peace. I'm out of here. Radio What? The music you want. Hey, guys. This is Shelly G with a fast fact. About one quarter of movie videos sold are animations. Do you have a fast fact? Share it with us at Interactive Radio, RadioWhat.com. Tweet, tweet, yo. Follow Radio What on Twitter at RadioWhatTwit. Tweet, tweet, yo.